0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it.
1: ...particular man, it's uh, just really helpful for us to understand the love, the kindness and the grace of God as we look at the story. So we're going to be looking at verses 1 uh, through to 10, I think it is. Something like that, I'll get to it in a moment. Um, but Let me start the story, and then I'll, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to read, read a little chunk, and then I'll, I'll say a few things, read a bit more, say some more stuff, and that's the pattern, um, and then I'll hopefully finish just in time. Okay, so it says this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. And there was a man there, and his name was Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector in the region. And he had both, and sorry, had become very rich He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, and so he ran ahead and he climbed a tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Let's just pause there. Every good story has a great introduction, and so I just want to give some background to this story. So as I say, Jesus is coming to town. The town's heard about who Jesus is. Maybe you're sat here today and you're thinking, yeah, I've heard a bit about Jesus, and what I've heard about Jesus ain't particularly that great, to be honest with you. Well, this town have only heard good things, and this town are buzzing, and they come out. It's like, you know, like when royalty's going through town, and everyone's out in the streets, and it's all buzzing. And then there's this guy called Zacchaeus. And let me tell you a little bit about Zacchaeus, what the Bible helps us understand. First of all, he's a chief tax collector. Now, that's like the villain of the story. Okay? If we are at the pantomime right now, it'd be like, boo, hiss. Okay? He's a chief tax collector. I used to be an estate agent. It's the kind of reaction, yeah, the kind of reaction that I used to get. It's not much better when I say I'm a church leader now either, you know. You, when you're at a party and you're trying to introduce yourself as state agent, church leader, people walk away. Uh, but Zacchaeus is this guy, and he's, um, he's really not liked. We need to understand that. So in, in this day and age in Jericho, it was under Roman occupation. So the Romans were in charge of the town, and Zacchaeus was a local, but he had turned his back on his mates and basically said, I'm going to work for the Roman soldiers, And my job is basically to take off of these people, my people, my friends, my family, the people that I came up with, I'm now going to go and take their taxes and I'm going to give them to the Roman soldiers. And the way that a tax collector would make money back then is basically once he had paid the Romans what they were owed, anything else was his and he had become rich. So he's obviously taken quite a bit from his friends and his family, the people that he grew up with in Jericho. He's a chief tax collector, he's quite powerful. So he's not just a tax collector, he's got people working for him. Not only has he got people working for him, but he's also protected by the Roman soldiers. So even though the town absolutely hate him, even though it's like, you're the guy that turned your back on us, you're the guy that's working for the enemy, you're the guy that's taking money out of our pockets when we're just trying to live and eat and survive, Jericho would have been a tough place to grow up, yeah? South London, people sort of say, okay, it can be tough. Jericho would have been tough. And these people are coming up, and Zacchaeus, this guy that they know, is literally taking money from them. So when I say he's the villain, it's not sort of like this panto character that I just described. They actually would have had a real problem with this guy. real problem with this guy. And he was rich, he was powerful, he was protected by the Roman soldiers, and it just meant that he wasn't Mr. Popular as he was walking the streets. In Jericho. The other thing that these first few verses tell us is that he was short. Now please hear me right here. I'm not putting the short thing in with the rich and powerful and people didn't like him because he was short. It just so happens that the Bible helps us understand that he was short. Why? Why does the Bible say that? Well, the fact that Zacchaeus was shorter than other people helps us understand that there was this moment where he's trying to see Jesus. So you imagine you're down at Pall and one of the royal families coming by and there's a big crowd and you're sort of shorter than the rest of the crowd and you're tapping people on the shoulder. It's highly likely, even in this day and age where we can all be a little bit rude with one another, that people would be like, OK, you're a little bit shorter than me, come through to the front. Yeah? Just me? I would let a shorter person, you guys might not be like that, I would let a shorter person come to the front so they could see the queen or the queen mum or whatever. Zacchaeus can't get to the front. He's getting shunned out. They're like, no, you're not coming to the front, because you're that guy. You're that guy that came and took our money. You're that guy that came and took the money, the, the food off of our table when we needed it. Zacchaeus is trying to see Jesus. The other thing that it shows us, this moment where Zacchaeus is trying to see Jesus, is that actually, despite who Zacchaeus is, he's very interested to know more about who Jesus is. To such an extent that he goes and he climbs the tree. Now, you might think, you know, like, this is one of those stories that you read when you're growing up, and for those of you that have been around church for a long time, it's one of the classic stories that you hear when you're little in Sunday school, and unfortunately, when you start hearing the stories in the way that I grew up at Sunday school, you sort of put them alongside, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and that kind of thing, but this actually happened. This is a historic event that happened, This businessman, this powerful businessman in Jericho just over 2,000 years ago climbed a tree. That's not normal. So again, if you were down Pow Mau and the royal family's going by and you look up in the tree, you might expect to see like a young kid. You might expect to see a teenager. But if you look up and you see a 50-year-old businessman with a briefcase, cross-legged, sat up in a tree, you're going to be like, what are you doing, mate? You are desperate to see what's going on. Zacchaeus's heart was desperate to know more about who God was. He was desperate. Now you might be a little bit more like Zacchaeus, this guy, this short chief tax collector that lived over 2,000 years ago. You might be more similar to him than you realise. See, maybe you've been doing a little bit of climbing the tree. Maybe you've been coming along to church for a little while and thinking, I do want to know a little bit more about Jesus. Maybe you're here today because one of your, your mates or a loved ones being baptised and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you getting thrown into water at a church? Okay, I want to know a little bit more about why you're going to do that. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long, long time and you're sort of thinking, I think I, think I know about Jesus. I think I know who Jesus is. Something in you that's just, I want to know more. I want to know more about who Jesus is. Maybe you're a bit more similar to this character than we might realise. So the story goes on. When Jesus came, he looked up and he says, Zacchaeus, he says to Zacchaeus, he called him by name Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, I must be a guest at your house today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbs down the tree and he takes Jesus to his house and it says in the, the version that I've got here, I just wanted to use these words, he took him with great excitement and great joy. But the people were displeased because he had gone to the house to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. When the Bible uses this phrase sinner, and that might be a bit of a strange word, and we've sung songs that might have it in and all that kind of stuff. When we talk about a sinner, it's, sin is something that opposes God. It's the wrong in our lives. So basically, the crowd's grumbling, saying, you've gone to the house of the most immoral person in our community. You've gone to the wrong. You've gone to that guy. So that's what the crowd are doing in this moment. And I want us just to to pause for a moment. Even if you don't believe in Jesus and you're sat here today, just humor me. You're sort of stuck at the moment anyway, aren't you? You're locked in because I'm at the front talking and you're sat there. But just humor me for a moment. I think that this is one of the most beautiful moments in the New Testament. And the reason that I think it's one of the most beautiful moments in the New Testament is because Jesus isn't just any old guy. The person that's come to the foot of the tree and said, Zacchaeus, by name, come down, isn't just some ordinary guy. I've come to know Jesus to be the son of the living God. I believe that Jesus has always existed. I believe that Jesus was there at the foundation of time with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he came from heaven to earth. That he was born, like we're going to celebrate at Christmas, he was born in a stable. And I believe that he's the only person that's ever lived to live a pure and righteous life. And I believe when he was 33 years old, he was hammered to a cross for the sake of the world. And I believe that he rose again. And I believe he's alive today. And I believe that he is sat on a throne in heaven. That's what I believe. And that's who I believe stood at the foot of the cross. So I hit the foot of this tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. He's calling out to Zacchaeus by name. And it's an interesting thing because, as I say, if you just go with me for this moment, even if you don't believe in God and you just sort of consider, well, if I was in that situation, if I was up the tree, if God does exist, would he love me? Would he really like me? What about the aspects in my life that nobody else knows? What about that thing that I did all those years ago that I've never told anybody about? What about the shame? What about the moments of weakness? What about the thoughts that I have? Surely if there is a God, he'd be angry with me. Surely if there is a God, he'd be ashamed of me. Surely if there is a God, he'd want nothing to do with me. See, the God that I've come to know just isn't like that. I used to think he was like that, but the God I've come to know, he's not like that. See, I did feel the same. When I was younger, I used to go to church till I was about 12 or 13 years old. And then I started playing football. Obviously, I would have made it if it wasn't for my knee, that old story.
2: <laughs>
1: what? Why don't you believe me? And... Uh, I started playing football, and and the reason I say that, basically, I stopped being in community with other Christians. Church is important. And uh, basically, from 13 through to 22, my life was madness. And I mean madness. And uh, it was just an absolute trail of destruction. And it was like sex, drugs, and not rock and roll. It was sex, drugs, and drum and bass. And Junior, (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to educate Junior on what drum and bass is, but he's not really coming with me on the journey. So... Uh, I was really into drum and bass. I used to go raving when I was like 13. And a good night out, you know, was either violence, whether I was inflicting it or even if I was actually getting it. It was girls. Uh, and, and by an early age, it was class A drugs, stealing them, taking them and having a good night out. I literally lived for the next high. I didn't care about anybody. I used to walk into pubs, at, you know, underage, couldn't care what you thought of me. I'm going to have a good night. And to be honest, what I've realised, I didn't even care about myself. I didn't care about the consequences that actually would would come my way if I kept living like that. And they did start coming my way as I got older. And I ended up like a scared little boy running away. I used to think I was the big man. I used to walk into every pub and I used to think that I was the big man. And when everything got a bit on top and things started to go down, I ran scared, literally, to another city. (laughs) Literally. And I never went back. And God... In his sovereignty, uh, introduced me to this beautiful woman. First of all, and she had never stepped foot in a church in all her life. And my sister invited us to go along to church one day, and we went along to a church in Southampton, which is where I'd run away to. And uh, I felt awful. I've got to be honest with you. It wasn't a place where I went and I was like, "Oh, this is great." I felt awful. I felt ashamed. I felt low. I felt depressed. I felt like if only you guys knew what I've really done, you wouldn't be all this like, happy, smiley crew that you're all going on. Vicky's, like saying to me, I've never met a people that are so happy. She's never been in church before. I'm like, yeah, all right. Like that. <laughs> she, she goes on this remarkable journey and gets to know God. And, and it was remarkable, and we'll save that for another day. And uh, I, I struggled. And me and Vic, we spent the first few months in church, we used to just cry every single week, every week. We'd just be like, oh, Lord. And, uh, and to start with, it was just shame. But as I started to get to know God, do you know, I promise you this, like we sing songs like this, he turned the tears of sadness into tears of joy. I started to realise that despite all of the wrong in my life, and I couldn't put it all right, I couldn't, it was crazy, he was saying, Ben, I still love you. I'm still prepared to do life with you. I'm still prepared to call you friend. You're my son. That's the God that I've come to know. Not a God that despised me. Not a God that said, I'm ashamed of you. Not a God that said, you've gone too far this time, sunshine. See you later. A God that said, I've got so much grace and so much love for you. And sometimes the church, I don't mean Beacon Church, sometimes the church generally doesn't do a great job (laughs) of showing the world what God's really like. If I talk to a lot of my mates, they talk about the church as a place of judgment and a place of wrath (laughs) and a place where they wouldn't be accepted and a place where they have to not speak because they might swear if they walk (laughs) through doors. That's not what it is. That's not who God is. You see, Jesus is stood at the foot of this tree and he's calling out to Zacchaeus and he ain't saying, Zacchaeus, get down here. I've got some stuff I need to say to you. Zacchaeus, you've been living this life, or oh, he doesn't shout out to him, Zacchaeus, i tell you what, I'll give you one month, you go sort your own life out, and then I'll come back, and I might come back for a burger. He's saying, Zacchaeus, quickly come down, I'm coming for dinner, now, right now. Jesus meets him where he's at. And back then, when you said to someone, come for dinner, it wasn't just sort of like, a, you know, this is a bit awkward, let's have an awkward chat. And Jesus is saying, I want to have a relationship with you, Zacchaeus. I want to be your friend. I want to get to know you. I want to do life with you. Jesus was prepared to associate himself with the worst person in Jericho. Zacchaeus' heart must have been pumping, yeah, when he's up in the tree. Jesus walks over. Zacchaeus! He's like, I oh, know, you know, like when you're at school and the teacher's like, Ben! And you're like, Ugh. It was never a good thing. They weren't like, Well done for your work. <laughs> if they said my name, I'm like, Uh oh. Zacchaeus must have felt like that in that moment. Oh, no, i has been found out. So he goes to to dinner with him, doesn't despise him. And it's an amazing moment. So Zacchaeus comes down with great excitement and joy. And uh, (laughs) I just can imagine that moment. I don't know if any of you have been watching The X Factor recently. I'm showing my age because I'm still sort of into it. Vicky makes me watch it. Uh, there's this guy on there at the minute. So Zacchaeus, is, he's chuffed because, A, he's got a mate, um, but also there's this, some other stuff going on. And, and there's this guy on the X Factor called Anthony Russell. And he was on there, I don't know whether it was last year or a few years ago. I'm not that dedicated. Um, <laughs> and he was in the finalists, and he gets found out being a bit of a cokehead, and, and it all goes wrong for him, and it all comes out in the paper, and they kick him off the show, and then like, obviously you can't be on the show because you need to sort your life out. And this guy reaches out to him from one direction don't know who they are, Uh, this guy (laughs) called uh, Louis Tomlinson, and and he reaches out, and he pays for him to go to rehab, and Louis is now a judge on the X Factor, and this guy has come back, he's cleaned his act up and come back, Vicky thinks it's all a fix, she's like, they've been setting this thing up for years, just for good TV, (laughs) but I'm a sucker for a good story, okay, so I'm like going with it, so Louis reached out for him, he's paid for him to go to rehab, the guy's come back in. And he's made it to the live shows, yeah. And this guy, I mean, he's got like the thickest Liverpudlian accent, proper working class man. You know, every time anyone says anything to him, he is buzzing. It's like he's hit a a football top corner every day. He comes out and he'll sing a song. They could say anything to him. He's like, he's literally hugging the band members and he's running around. The other day he met Wayne Rooney and he's literally holding on to him. He's like, I could die today, he said. He said, I could die today and I would be a happy man. The guy is buzzing, buzzing. Why? Because somebody was prepared to say, I'll be your friend, I'll stand with you. When the papers want to shame you and mock you and put you in the dirt and no one cares if you're coming back out of it, I'll stand with you. Even if Vicky says, you know, it's not true, it's a good example. (laughs) He says, I'll stand with you. And that's what's going on. Zacchaeus is excited, not just because he's found a friend in Jesus, what he realizes is that Jesus is saying, despite what the crowd say, despite if the crowd start grumbling, I'm siding with you. I'm putting my arm around you. I'm coming for dinner with you. And Jesus was willing to take on the grumblings of a crowd. And it's exactly the same for us. Exactly the same for us. Let me tell you this, that just a few weeks later from this story, Jesus wasn't prepared just to take the grumblings of a crowd. But Jesus was in another city, in a place called Jerusalem. And the crowd weren't just moaning that he was going for dinner. The crowd was shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And they dragged him out of the city and they took him up to a hill and they hammered him to a cross. And they put nails through his hands and nails through his feet and a thorny crown on his head. Why? Because he was prepared to side with you and he was prepared to side with me. See, the Bible says that all of us fall short of the glory of God. Zacchaeus isn't the only wrong one in Jericho. They all are. They just don't realise it. Every single person that's ever existed has needed saving, and Jesus offers that salvation when he went to the cross in those days. Jesus was surrounded by the crowds, and he was willing to side with us. It's a remarkable, remarkable moment. As a bystander, I just want to make this point. How am I doing for time? Because I've sort of lost it a little bit Just keep going. Owen's light. (laughs) Okay, that's cool. We'll work work around that. Um, So there's this wonderful thing going on with Jesus and Zacchaeus. And I don't know if you've worked this out yet, but if you're new to church, or even if you're not for that matter, when we read a story in the Bible, we're never the hero. Do you know that? (laughs) So you never read a story and be like, oh, that's like me, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that goes to the town. Everyone comes out and they've got their flags. (laughs) Oh yeah, That's not what's going on. In the story, we're either Zacchaeus or with the crowd. Now, the crowd, they've really not got it right. I mean, they're worse than Zacchaeus in some ways. So the crowd start grumbling. They reveal their heart. Why? Because what they're saying is, don't go to that guy's house. The flip side of that, you should be coming to my house. I deserve it. If Jesus came to Brixton this afternoon and I said to all of you, He's coming, He'll be here in about half an hour, everybody write down on a bit of paper whose house He's going to go to. Pastor Hilton? (laughs) I don't know any of the rest of you, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you going to write on the bit of paper? The most righteous man, the most righteous woman, that's what these people thought. They were like, don't go to that guy's house, you should be coming to this guy's house. And Jesus said, I didn't come, or I didn't come to basically be with the healthy, I came to be with the sick. These people think that life with Jesus, that salvation comes through them living a good life. And that's not how it works in the kingdom of God at all. The Bible teaches us, as I've already said, that all of us need saving. We can't save ourselves. But these people are showing, basically, they're just trying hard. And we can't get relationship with God by just trying hard. The Bible says that our best efforts, when we start to try really hard, our best efforts are like filthy rags. And so we have to humble ourselves and come to him. We enter into relationship with God not based on whether we swear or not, not based on whether we drink or not, not based on our academic background, our ability to hold a good conversation at a dinner party. It's not based on our parents' background, our standing in society, it's not based on the way that we dress, praise God, or the color of our skin. That's, none of that stuff comes into play when it comes to relationship with God. Relationship with God is all about an individual saying, "God, I need you. I know that I am broken." I know that I need the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so please forgive me. And there is not a moment in all of history, and neither will there be a moment in all of history, when the vilest offender, with sincerity in their heart, says, God, forgive me. He never, ever turns away. Because Jesus took the punishment for us. He poured out his anger on Jesus in that moment. He poured out the punishment for our wrong on Jesus in that moment. God loves to meet us right where we're at. It goes on, it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and I have cheated people of their taxes, and so I will give back four times as much. And Jesus responds, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man, that's a way of Jesus talking about himself, Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. What Jesus is saying is that salvation has not come because of what Zacchaeus has done. He's not saying because Zacchaeus has given all his money away, salvation has come. He's not saying you're forgiven because you've done all of those things. He's saying salvation has come and we can see the outworking of it. When we receive God into our lives, the Bible talks about repentance. It's like a 180. You're going this way and you go that way. It's like I'm going to the rave... And I'm like, no, I'm going this way. I'm going to follow Jesus. And that's the grace and the love and the kindness of God. But there is an outworking in us. So when we make that decision, when we receive the invitation from God, when we recognize that he he wants to meet us right where we're at, change happens. You see, change doesn't bring life with Jesus. Life with Jesus brings change. Yeah? Let me say that again. Change does not bring life with Jesus. Life of Jesus brings change. Remember, Zacchaeus is not getting shouted at by Jesus. Go sort yourself out, and then you can come have a relationship with me. He said, I'll come have a relationship with you. What happens? Zacchaeus' life is radically changed and transformed. Imagine what it was like for those guys in Jericho that day. How would they remember that day? I'll tell you how they would remember that day. They'd remember it because of Zacchaeus. Jesus came to town, and this man's life was radically changed for the good. When these people are baptised today, what we're celebrating is that Jesus met them right where they were at. What we're not doing is celebrating that they've lived lives that are really good and righteous. Good, they're being baptised because they've done really well. We're celebrating Jesus because Jesus met them right where they're at. And in that relationship, we can expect that they will go on being changed and changed and changed to become more like Jesus. It's the beauty of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Life is not a test. Those of you that are here today thinking, I've got to measure up, I've got to live up to who this God is, you'll be trying for a long time, and I tell you, you are never going to get there. I've been there, done that, and it does not work. Life is not a test. God is not in heaven with a clipboard marking you out of ten. God knows you by name, like he knew Zacchaeus, and he loves you. I promise you, he loves you, and he knows everything that you've done. He knows everything that you've thought and he knows everything that you're going to do and he loves you just the same. Today, Jesus has stood at the foot of your tree and he's calling you by name and he's saying, come down. I want to do life with you. I do, I promise. It's not a joke. Right where you're at. So just to finish, I just want to say this to you. I know you guys, most of you don't know me. Probably for the best. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'd love to get to know you more. I, I honestly believe that this story is true. There was a day where I used to, like I say, I used to go rave and do all that kind of stuff. Like, I've got no problem standing in front of a room full of people that I don't know. I, I'm not ashamed to say, not only do I believe in Jesus, I love him. I really love him. He's changed my life. He's spun me round. And he's given me life for eternity. I want to plead with you if you've never given your life to Jesus, as you leave this place today, just think a little bit about, is God real? If he is real, could I get to the terms with the fact that he actually could love me? And if there's something going on, if you're starting to think, I want to urge you not just to think, but to talk. Talk to Owen, Pauline, other leaders here in the church. Talk to God. It's a serious thing, but it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, so I just want to close by praying and then we're going to move on with the rest of the meeting. Father, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you that you know every person in this room by name. I thank you that you've come to us and revealed yourself. Jesus, you said that anyone that has seen you sees the Father. And so what we see in this story is uh, is, is a God of grace and a God of love and a God of kindness. Lord, I thank you that you know every single person in this room. And I thank you that you love us despite the actions in our lives. Uh, And God, I I just pray that you'd bless us as we ponder on this truth. I pray that you'd just bless us as we think about it. I pray that you'd bless the rest of the meeting, these guys being baptised, that would remember, God, that it's not about the work that they've done, but it's about the wonderful work that you have done, that you've met them where they're at. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: just want to really, I suppose, bring a little bit of clarity as to why, why do we do this? Why in 2018 do we still do this? Um, and you've kind of heard two testimonies already, uh, whether or not you've realized that through uh, just the story of Zacchaeus and really Ben's own story. Um, But the reason the church baptizes in this way, it really comes out of the Bible. It wasn't because somebody thought this would be a great way to uh, keep people in the church. Um, First of all, in in the book of Matthew, um, chapter 28, um, when Jesus, um, having risen from the dead, before he then, the Bible says, he ascends into heaven, he says to his disciples, I want you to go into all the world... Uh, and I want you to take this message to the whole world, and one of the things I want you to do when you do that is to baptize believers, is to baptize. So it's because Jesus tells us to do it that we uh, baptize people in this way. The second thing, if you were to look in the book of Romans and chapter 6, it talks about baptism, and it describes it as, a, as almost as a symbolic act of what has happened to you when you become a Christian. When you go under the water, it's like you are dying to your old life. And when you are brought back up out of the water, which you always are, you are being raised into new life with Jesus. It's just a symbolic act. It's a really, really simple symbolic act. Um, And often uh, when you read in the scripture, it's done publicly in front of people um, as a way of saying, I belong to Jesus. And the baptism is not the moment you make that commitment to Jesus. You've already made that commitment, but it's the moment where you publicly acknowledge it and you do what he did. Jesus himself was baptized. And then the third thing, really, is it, the way we do it and the, why, the reason we do it in the way we do is it is a response to faith. Yeah? When people have given their lives to Jesus, when people have said yes to Jesus um, of their own accord we baptize them, and that's how we do it as a church. Other churches may do that differently, but that's how uh, we do it here. So it's a really uh, exciting and wonderful moment to to baptize uh, these four, and and I want them to come forward, and we're going to give them all a big cheer. So there's Cherry, Sam, Sarah, and Jennifer. And I'm just going to say a couple of things before we do that, a couple of things. So we are baptizing some, uh, well, you know, ch- Cherry, I know I know. if you know Cherry, I know it's hard to believe that she's only 10, but Cherry is only 10. Um, and Jennifer is a grandmother, so we're baptizing right across the spectrum. I mean, they're not related directly, um, but there's that really big kind of age sort of gap between them. And it's a wonderful day for these folk and for their families that have come. So I want the four of them to come out. Let's applaud them, and they're going to come and sit on the front row. So... Well, if you can sit there, because you can. Okay, so. So, Sam, come on, Sam. You know you want to. And, uh, and Cherry. So, um, yeah, so it's great. It's great. Guys, why don't you just stand up, turn around, and have a look at everyone? And just wave and say hi. Yeah, okay. okay, you can sit, sit, sit down again. Um, I, I always did wonder when, uh, obviously I've known uh, Sam and Cherry particularly for for a long time, for a long time, and uh, um, they're, they're young, but you can have some very real Christian conversations with Sam and Cherry, uh, and they know things that you don't know, you'll suddenly discover. Um, so what I've done is I've just come up with a couple of questions um, for that I'm going to ask them each, It's a very similar questions, and uh, the first person I want to come out is Cherry. So Cherry, why don't you come... Stand here. And stand a bit closer, Cherry. I, I don't often hug Cherry, but here we are. Um, and so Cherry, um, can you just tell us what kind of brings you to this point in your life today? Um, okay, guys, you can come and you can, if there's no room, there's some chairs just over there where you can just sit on the floor in front of Renedy. Um You will get to see the baptism, I promise you. Um, just tell us a little bit about your faith journey and when you became a Christian?
2: So, oh, yeah. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, so um, I was used to hearing the name Jesus and God be spoken out quite a lot.
3: Okay, and uh, what did that mean to you, Cherry?
2: Um, It meant to me that, Well, nothing much (laughs) until after a long amount of time. And then I realized that, um, well, actually, it was the day when I said, how can you believe in a God when you can't see him? And then that evening, God appeared to me in a dream. And um, he actually made it very clear that um, I had... Um, I was being pulled away from Jesus. So, um, in the dream, I um, made a prayer and promise to follow the Lord Jesus
3: Christ. Wow. So, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and trust Cherry to ask those big questions. And I can imagine Jen going, Cherry. Cherry. <laughs> um, So, you you prayed that prayer in the dream. Have you prayed that prayer since that dream?
2: Um, Yes, many, many times. And uh, now my life in the Lord is, well, Um, actually, I pray to him quite a lot. So, I have quite a bit of a bond,
3: (laughs) in a way. Okay, so, just give us... What, one example of that of that bond that you now have with Jesus. Um,
2: one of the bondings is being able to hear his voice whenever I pray, and um, hearing his voice and the answer.
3: That's amazing. Okay, Cherry, thank you so much. Why don't you go and sit down <laughs> next to Mum? Sam, why don't you come up? Sam, similar question. Um, Tell us what what brought you here today. Just tell us how you became a Christian. And why don't you stand around this way? <laughs> um,
4: so obviously, like Cherry, I grew up knowing who Jesus was. Um, I grew up um, with like knowing who God was. He he was. I was quite close to him, and so I just kind of welcomed him as a proper friend when I was about four years old.
3: Wow, that's young. And so si- since then, um, what difference has it made? What's been the impact on your life?
4: Well, when I was four, I kind of saw this picture that um, I was going to like um, use my creativity to um, show who God was. Um, and so I, I made up characters. Um, I made up stories. But now... Um, really what I want to do is make stories through my own life.
3: So can you say why, why is it you're being baptised today? Why do you think you want to be baptised today?
4: Well, um, I want to be baptised today because I think that, um, I'm just ready for it. Um, I'm in that kind of stage of my relationship with him.
3: Okay, that's great. Well done, Sam. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, why don't you come up? Okay. Sarah, can you say a little bit about um, what brings you here today and uh, like when you gave your life to Jesus?
5: Um, so I was about nine years old, and I'd come back from a church weekend away, and I don't know what it was, but I suddenly decided that I um, understood what it was, and... Um, that I wanted to make a commitment to Jesus. And so I prayed with my mum on my bed at home, and um, yeah, I was filled with this amazing sense of joy and peace, and it was incredible. Um, and from there, obviously you go through your teenage years, it's not the easiest, like standing up, being different, um, not kind of compromising in your faith. Um, and uh, yeah, it was not always easy. And you know, when people start questioning you, you start to question what you actually believe in. And from that, you know, I asked myself a lot of questions and but every time there was always an answer that always seemed to you know like ben said you know there's so much evidence historical evidence as well for what we believe and also god answered so many prayers i mean that could be coincidence or it could be god but he answered so many that you know it was incredible um yeah and then later on i went to soul survivor for those that know it, it's like a youth festival um and really kind of understood what it was to have like a personal relationship with god um yeah and come from there.
3: So why then, Sarah, are you being baptized today?
5: Um, I guess it's an outward declaration of wanting to show that this is actually something that I'm really committed to, something that I really truly believe in. Um, you know, and I've put my faith and trust in God and, you know, I know that He will get you through anything like, you know, life chucks a lot of stuff at you, but when you have a God with you, it changes your perspective on how you live life. It's Um, yeah, makes you really look at things differently and also just means that you have no fear in anything, um, not even death because you've got Jesus Christ with you.
3: Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Jennifer, why don't you come? So we're going to try and get through this without the tears. (laughs) Okay, so... um, uh, Jennifer, I know it was really about a year ago that you first sat here and you um, were witnessing other people actually being baptised and you thought, hey, one day that might be me or that would be me. So um, why don't you say a, a little bit about that journey that you've been on in coming to know Jesus?
6: Um, I've been brought up in a Christian family. Um, turned my back did what I wanted, I I knew better, I knew better, but God was always niggling at me, push, you know, prick here, prick here. And and you had to remember that it was God who was doing it to you. And then um, I was very fearful of church, fearful of condemnation and damnation and hell and all of those things. And it was that that kept me away. And then I came to Beacon, and for the first time, I felt love around God, pure love. Everybody here just showed me pure love. And for the first time, I realized that you say God is love, but you don't really... It doesn't connect here. You say it with your mouth, but it doesn't connect here. And over the last year since coming to Beacon, it's connected, I've connected. God has connected with me. It's been amazing.
3: Okay. Um, I, I know for you that during this year there have been a, a number of occasions where you have, I don't know, I suppose put put your trust in Jesus, you've articulated it, you've prayed it. Um, uh, what difference has it made?
6: Um, life, as I said a year ago, life is still the same. The problems are there. But when i with God beside me, it doesn't feel so hurtful. And by trusting in him, I know that I'll get through it. It doesn't matter what comes up, I will get through it because God is my saviour.
3: Okay. okay, thank you so much. It's often difficult to um, maybe articulate what you believe. And sometimes um, the the belief becomes so personal uh, that, you know, you might not be able to answer every question. But actually you can articulate, I don't know everything, but I know enough to know that Jesus is real. And that's really what the testimony is about. It's about Jesus is real and he's impacted my life. So we're going to baptize... These wonderful folks. So I need Stephen Emma to come up. Why don't we give them a big hand, Stephen Emma? Um Okay. Um I think we're just gonna add a little bit more warm water to the to the pool. Um uh, just a big hand for Simmy who's been organizing all of this. Um Okay, so last year I think it was minus five. Today, hopefully, it'll be a little bit warmer than that. Okay, so Steve and Emma, you might want to try and get into the pool. Um, It's okay, it's okay. Well done, Simi. Um, Now, if you have particularly come to uh you know to 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 celebrate with um any of the four who are being baptized um again we're going to have slightly organized chaos, very happy for you to uh come out do the Zacchaeus thing, stand near the front if you need to um and or, or we can or you can do it sitting down if you feel you, you can see are we happy where we are okay well we're going to bring cherry out, Jerry, I think people can see you know. Cherry, in okay. The the promise of scripture. Who's doing that? Okay. So, Cherry,
7: the promise of scripture is if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you so confess and believe?
2: Yes, Jesus is Lord.
6: Upon your confession of faith, we gladly baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
5: I've been praying for you a lot, obviously, all your your life. Um, There are two things that come to mind whenever I pray for you, is joy and dancing. And this prayer came to me in the middle of the night recently. So I just want to pray this over you. Lord, thank you for Cherry. Thank you for the act of obedience that she displayed this morning. Thank you for the way that she exudes joy when she's dancing in your presence. I pray that that joy would spread into every other area of her life. That her life would be an expression of joy and love for you. That her life would be a dance with her heavenly father. May she always choose you. And may she know your voice and love for her always. Amen.
3: Okay, Sam. Sam's got a fan club.
7: (laughs) Sam, the promise of scripture is if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you say confess and believe? Yes,
4: I believe Jesus is Lord.
6: Upon your confession of faith, we gladly baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey Sam. You
3: alright mate?
7: Make
0: a bit cold? You're not cold? Cool. Okay, so, like Mum, I've been praying for you since before you we were born. And lots of things keep coming up. <coughs> Stuff you've mentioned as well, so this is my prayer. And I've written it so you can keep it. Thank you, Jesus, for the life Sam lives, that he's dedicated himself to you, to honour and worship you with the created gifts you've given him. Thank you that he's taken a step of obedience today to publicly declare his love for you, his relationship with you, and his desire to live with you seeking new stories every day. I pray, Jesus, that you will grow in him. Powerful words. I pray in Jesus that you will grow in him a steadfast and resolute spirit, that he'll be like a granite rock face, staring down the storms with confidence, providing a place of safety for the vulnerable and protection and strength for the weak. Amen.
3: Okay, Sarah. (laughs) Cool.
7: (laughs) So so Sarah, the promise of Scripture is that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you say confess and believe?
5: Yes, Jesus is Lord.
6: Upon your confession of faith we gladly baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit.
7: so Sarah, Sarah, when you were waiting to be baptized, actually, I just had um, the words "light and actually the, I mean it's an obvious thing that you the, um, his light shines through you because of your faith, but I just think particularly part of your um part of the way you just reflect his glory is that you, his light just shines through you it shines through you in the way that you um and relate to the kids when you're on kids. It shines through you in um, the way that um, you um, radiate him in the hospital, no doubt. And and I just pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would pr- uh, that you would fill Sarah to overflowing now with your love, with your joy, with your peace. Um, I thank you that you already shine through her, and I just pray for for more of that. Um, that she would just be just bowled over with your love for her today, and that your light. Would just radiate through her um, even in the dark places. In Jesus' name. Amen.
3: (laughs) Okay, Jennifer.
7: Jennifer, the promise of Scripture is if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart um, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Do you say, confess and believe?
6: Yes, I confess Jesus is Lord. Upon your confession of faith, we gladly baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
5: Jennifer, I just pray God has made you into one strong lady. He has blessed you with family and friends. You are never, ever alone. You have got power in your voice. And through your tears, he knows the pain that you've borne. But he's there with you every step of the way. And he can use the next how many years on this earth for his glory.
3: Okay, wonderful. We're, we're going to just, it's, again, it's a little bit chaotic, but we're going to just finish with a song. So if you just want to stand where you are, I'm sure. I'm oh, sorry, they're your towels. Yeah. I'm holding on to people's stuff. I'm sure these children have parents somewhere sure where, but sure they are here. Okay, so why don't we stand together? We're just going to finish uh, just really celebrating together Jesus, and it's always good to remind ourselves of him, to look to him, not look to ourselves, even in a moment like this.